time for another episode of Pottsdale. I'm your host, Holly Walter from the Office of Communication, and today we'll be talking about prevention and safety with the Scottsdale Fire Department. Here to talk to us is the department's public information officer, Lori Schmidt. But before I talk to Lori, I'll turn it over to Stephanie Harada for this episode's Fast Five. Hi, I'm Public Affairs Specialist Stephanie Hirata with five fast things happening around the city you need to know. Still need a vaccine? Don't miss your shot. The city's free walk-in vaccination clinic starts us off at number five. The event will be held from 1.30 to 5.30 p.m. on Thursday, October 14th at Eldorado Park Community Center. We've partnered with the Maricopa County Department of Health who will be administering the Pfizer vaccine, which is approved for ages 12 and older. Whether you need your first dose or a second dose after our September 23rd event, all are welcome. To find out more, call 480-312-3111 or visit scottsdaleaz.gov and search COVID-19. Coming in at number four, it's Scottsdale's McDowell Sonoran Preserve Month. On October 3rd, 1994, the Scottsdale City Council formally dedicated the first lands for the preserve. The day one preserve was made up of three city-owned parcels of land spanning only 4.5 square miles. Today, the permanently protected sustainable desert habitat has grown to encompass about one-third of Scottsdale. To commemorate this important date, we're celebrating throughout the entire month of October. With our weather cooling down, it's the perfect time to get out and see all that the preserve has to offer. The preserve is open daily, sunrise to sunset, free of charge. All trailheads open and close at specific times throughout the year. To learn more and plan your visit, head on over to scottsdaleaz.gov and search McDowell Sonoran Preserve. Number three is all about helping Scottsdale fight the bite, from mosquitoes that is. With our heavy monsoon season, cases of West Nile virus are on the rise. Maricopa County health officials warn there have already been 138 confirmed cases and seven deaths this year. While anyone can get this mosquito-borne illness, adults older than 60 and those with chronic health conditions are more at risk for serious complications. You can help us fight the bite by eliminating standing water where mosquitoes breed, such as pet bowls, potted plants, and even toys. To find out more, visit maricopa.gov and search Fight the Bite. The month of October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month and our number two spot. Domestic violence can affect anyone, no matter their age or background. Since 1981, the month of October has been dedicated to raising awareness about this serious issue and connecting those affected to advocates and resources. In Pulshin, the iconic equestrian sculpture at Westworld will be lit purple all month in recognition, and everyone is encouraged to wear purple on Thursday, October 21st. If you or someone you know is a victim or survivor of domestic violence, resources are available through the Arizona Coalition to End Sexual and Domestic Violence, or the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Last but certainly not least in our number one spot, Scottsdale earns national recognition as a top spot for those with disabilities. Our city's efforts to be more disability friendly include modifying buildings and sidewalks, as well as creating inclusive spaces such as Chaparral Park's fully accessible sensory playground and our award-winning Bahada Nature Trail. Alongside these, the city also offers a variety of programs and services through our Adaptive Services Center. We're continually striving to be more inclusive of our disabled community members and could not be more excited to see these efforts making a difference. To find out more about our programs and services, visit scottsdaleaz.gov and search Adaptive Services. And that's our Fast Five for this episode of Podsdale. Got something for a future Fast Five? Tell us by emailing communications at scottsdaleaz.gov. I'll turn it back over to you, Holly. Thanks, Stephanie. 
For today's episode, we get to talk to the fire department again, and today we have Lori Schmidt, who's a public information officer for our very own Scottsdale Fire Department. Hi, Lori. Hi, how are you? I am great. It's great to have you here, and I know everything you do, I'm going to have you explain that to our listeners. In fact, I met you before I even started with the city, isn't that right? Yeah, so we work together with the Drowning Prevention Coalition of Arizona, which I am the current president of right now. Oh, wow. So you've been involved with that group for quite some time now. Yes, at least 17 years. Wow. That's a long time. Long time. (laughs) So let's go over the uh, long list of what you do. What is your role within the fire department? So with most public information officer titles that usually focuses on social media and working with the media and answering any of the questions that they have, which is one of the jobs that I have. But I also am in charge of all of our um, community risk reduction classes, injury prevention, those types of things. Um, I also am the liaison officer. So if the firefighters go on a call, they are able to identify if that person or family needs additional services, they'll connect with me. And then we work with the senior center and um, PCIS with the police department to help get those services. And then, of course, event planning, which we just finished our 9-11 celebration or memorial. And that was a really amazing event for us in the city. Which it always is. It's always a beautiful event. And we appreciate the work that's put into that. And I know the community appreciates it as well. Now, you mentioned community risk reduction. Explain what that is exactly and what that covers. Fire departments across the country are really looking at community risk reduction and what that means to a community, which is what potentially could harm that community? What do we need to fix or be able to quickly mitigate? What can we prevent? So we have a whole community risk reduction team that has identified uh, what our risks are within the city that can be narrowed down to a first do area, which is where the fire department responds. That engine then is supposed to be the first engine on scene. Um, what What is in that individual's area, which can be um, the preserve, it can be a specific uh, business that might have high risk. But our team really looked at, you know, what are our things that we need to do? And some of the focus that we have for that is mountain rescues, lift assists at our living um assisted living facilities, and then also um, our firewise. We look at the fire risk up in North Scottsdale, which, of course, is always a concern. We don't want our beautiful diamond in the desert to fire up each summer. We need to keep that risk low. Right. Now, today you're going to talk to us about something um, among the many things you do that you've really placed a lot of focus on within the last month, which is Uh, falls and fall prevention. And what makes this a big concern in Scottsdale? There was a recent study in the last couple of years where the city of Scottsdale looked at what, you know, what's our population look like? We have a lot of older adults. Um, We also partnered with Honor Health and they had done a study and it's amazing the the community right around the, the location at Shea, the majority of the homes there People are taking three or more medications, which is a red flag for for us, knowing that that's a, a huge risk for falls as well. And frankly, across the country, and it is true for Scottsdale, is that the number one call to the 911 dispatch for medical reasons is going to be falls. Help me! I I need I need help. It's that old yeah, thing as I that I've old commercial. And I can't get up. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize that though. Yeah. Okay. So. 
you know, knowing all of that and also knowing that falls are a preventable injury, um, we, we put a lot of focus on that. Um, we want people to be able to age safely in place. We don't want to come in and say, you know, we've got such of an injury that you can no longer be at home. So I learned a couple of years ago with the NFPA that we start falling at age 50, which was shocking to me because now I'm in that age group and and I'm like, you know what, that's that's true. (laughs) Um, It can be life uh, changing when we have a fall. Mm -hmm. It's life threatening as we get older. And I see that with my own father who used to hike the Pinals by himself um, two years ago. And in that two years, he started having leg trouble. And now he has to walk with a walker. He's fallen several times. And it's really scary as people get older, what injuries those things can um, can really make a difference in whether or not they can actually get around in their home. Sure. Yeah, it leads to many other things, and I guess it, it seems minor when you think about it, but it can be fairly significant, like you said, and, and life-altering. So as employees and as others who listen to the podcast, what can we do? You know, whether we're in that age group or we're not in that age group, I'm sure most of us have people in our lives who uh, could be more prone to falling. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like I said, if we are age 50 and we're falling, what are the things that we can put into place to protect ourselves? And then also we may have parents that are in that same position. Um, and then also the community that we're working with, what are the things that, that tip us off? So um, we really want people to take a thought about what their risks are. Um, some of them are just as simple of all of those throw rugs we like to put around our homes as we get older. You know, we, we sh- if we start shuffling our feet, we're now shuffling with those rugs underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have rolly chairs. Um, we also have pets. As much as we love them, they are also tripping hazard. Um, we also look at the kitchen. Um, you know, are you using something that is too high for you to reach and you're constantly having to climb something to get that? We need to move that, that piece of equipment or item to a lower cabinet. Medications is also a really big one. If you're taking more than four medications, you're probably taking something that you don't need to take anymore, which is pretty amazing. I always say, you know, they say it's practicing medicine. We have a lot of people who will go in and be prescribed something to resolve some issue and it's not working. Um, They're not feeling well with it. And so two things happen. They either go and the doctor says, well, let's try a different medication. Mm -hmm. Some people will, will fail to ask, do I stop the original medication? And so now we're adding medications on top of that. The other thing that could happen is that you're on a medication and you're suffering side effects. You go in and you say, hey, this, this problem is happening for me. And they prescribe a medication to solve that side effect. And then that causes side effects. So now we've piled on a whole bunch of medications and now we've become a medical zombie. So we really look at, you know, what are the things that you're taking? Are they really necessary? We have um, psychotropic drugs also that, you know, anxiety medications and things like that, that can cause dizziness. Cardiac pills can also cause dizziness. So that polypharmacy is going to be a really big concern. The other thing that we want people to think about is if you are going to, a CVS pharmacy for one medication, and then you happen to stop at a Walgreens for a different medication, and maybe you go to Walmart for another, mm-hmm. those pharmacies don't talk to each other. And so those pharmacists don't know that you are taking a whole lot of medications that maybe you shouldn't be. So we recommend that you stay within the same pharmacy group when you're filling your meds. 
And reconciling your medications with your primary care physician will be important too. A lot of people, especially as we get older, we may have that PCP, but then also have specialists and they're not always seeing what all medications you're on. And so having that regular reconciliation is going to help identify any concerns that could be causing you problems health-wise. That's good to think about. It's, it makes sense that those combinations could certainly cause some issues. Now, how long has the department partnered with Honor Health? Because I feel like that's a really interesting element to this, that you're working with Honor Health to uh, share this information with our residents. We have been partnering with Honor Health even before they were called Honor Health. So that was a really great uh, program that when we started our Home Safe Home program within the fire department, it was that conversation with our healthcare partners to identify, let's try to help people not have to come to the hospital because of a fall Mm -hmm. and keeping them active and, um, you know, getting into matter of balance classes, getting to Tai Chi classes, and also then getting us in we hope, before someone falls to keep them from going to the hospital in the first place. The other challenges that we've seen is if someone has fallen already, their chance of falling again goes up really, really high. And if that fall lands you into the hospital, ironically, your fall risk is even higher when you go home than it was before you went to the hospital. So having that open conversation and trying to mitigate any of those issues is really, really incredibly important for mm-hmm. our community and uh, you know, community risk reduction in this particular area is something that is easy to look at and mitigate some of those risks out of the out of the home, even just on an individual basis. I was talking about the Home Safe Home Program. Right. Our, that was a good segue. Yeah. And I was going to ask those questions. Yeah. So that's one of the ways the department mitigates. Yes. So falls, we have correct. an amazing program. Um, we, we, we have SFD personnel that go out. We do a home assessment. We look at a whole lot of different issues. Um, your autonomy. Are you able to dress yourself? Um, how are you getting around? Can you get up and down out of your bed? Can you get up and down out of the seat that you go into when you're in the living room? Um, What does your bathroom look like? So we're going to take a lot of those really hard looks and deep dives into that. We'll also identify some issues with your medications. One of the other things that we find with um, when somebody has health concerns already that might not be fall-related, for instance, cardiac, you, you have to know if this happens, then what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, we worked with a, a lady who, um, she was a tiny little lady. She was suffering from a, the early stages of dementia. And she was asked, so I see that you have cardiac issues. If you go to bed and you get up the next morning and you weigh 10 pounds more than you did yesterday, what would you think that meant? And the little lady sweetly says, well, that I had a really big supper. Well, in fact... She actually had probably about 10 pounds of fluid in her body, and that's putting pressure on the heart and would mean she needs to get to the hospital right away. So identifying those types of things is is uh, a key to helping people age safely in place. Sure. So we look at those fall issues because that's our number one call. Of course, we're the fire department, so we're also going to look at, you know, can you escape from your home? How do you shelter in place? Does your smoke alarm work? Do you have a fire extinguisher? And and do we need to put a lockbox on your home? Okay, so it sounds like we want to see people before we're responding to that emergency call. We'd rather help you uh, before you run into a problem rather than during or after. Yes, 
Preventing the fall in the first place is key. If you have fallen, then let's get in there and try to mitigate those issues so that we don't have it again. That vicious cycle of somebody falling and then being afraid to fall and which actually raises their risk of falling it's kind of amazing, and we, we do kind of set ourselves up for failure sometimes, and keeping active is is important. One of our volunteers, she says, you know what, every day I get down on the ground and I force, you know, figure out my myself back up. She says, because a lot of people don't think about that, and they get down and there's they have no idea or the strength to get up. So we've got to keep that muscle tone up. COVID didn't help us any because we had a lot of people sitting at home, not getting to go out to their normal activities. And so we had a lot more issues with people shuffling and and not able to get around like they're supposed right. to. Now, where can someone find more information on home safe home and some of the other things that we've talked about today? So we do have an amazing information on our website. So you go to scottsdaleeasy.gov and search Home Safe Home. Um, you can also go to uh, the senior centers. We also have bro- brochures there. They can fill out a form um, and, you know, give us a call. Call the 312-8000 line at the fire department, ask for questions, and, and we will get an appointment. The appointments, we come to the home. It only takes about an hour. It is absolutely free. We don't ask for any money. We don't want you to be fearful that we're going to be, like, charging you for anything. Or then um, a lot of people also are fearful that we're going to come in and say, well, you can't live here anymore. You have to be go to a, an assisted living. There's a real fear of that. But, no, we really would like for them to stay home as safely as they can. It's so good to know this and share this information. Are there any other programs or that you would like to talk about uh, more specifically why we uh, are together today? Well, you know, I, we have so many incredible injury prevention programs with the fire department. Water safety, of course, is a, is a, a huge concern in our valley. Um, and that is for both kids and adults. A lot of people don't realize that the number of uh, drownings are a lot higher with adults. We have 75% more incidents in Scottsdale involving adults than we do children. And so we we want everybody to understand that, you know, when we swim alone and if we swim impaired, and that can be with medications, not just alcohol or or street uh, drugs, um, that we're putting ourselves at risk. And we have um, you know, that, that old rule of swimming with a buddy, mm-hmm. that, that's true as adults too. And I do have people say, well, you know, well, I have a pool. I live alone, so you're telling me I can't use my pool anymore. And I always say, you know, it's just best if you don't feel well, don't go in the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of our issues, especially with our older adults, they're, they're going in and then they might have a cardiac issue or even have a stroke in the water. And if nobody's there to help them get out, then we end up with a, with a drowning of course, you know, we have a really high rate of drowning in the valley um, of children under the age of five. So making sure that we also have those other layers of protection for them. The adult supervision is always number one. I'm putting barriers around your pool so that they don't have access when you don't have eyes on them. And then um, the classes, knowing how to swim. That's a huge one, um, but no swim lesson is going to ever drown proof you. Uh, if you don't know how to swim or in your in water above your swimming ability. And that's, again, with the adults, even out on open water, lakes and rivers, we get our, you know, muscles on after enjoying a day of adult beverages and we go out swimming and we tire and we don't have anything to help us up. That that life vest is going to be really important. And, you know, if, if, if those other layers fail, knowing how to do CPR, mouth to mouth CPR with the 30 compressions, two breaths, 
that's going to be helpful to us when you've made that call and they're getting the oxygen to the brain that they need to while you're waiting for the fire department to arrive is key to survivability. Now, where can someone learn CPR? Right now, um, there are agencies across the valley that will teach it. Usually, we have uh, classes with the fire department. We will not be offering any classes until 2022, simply because of the COVID restrictions. Um, but, you know, go to preventdrownings.org, and there's a Learn CPR link there and you can get a whole lot of resources that way um, learning to swim you know our aquatic centers they teach classes even to adults mm -hmm. so you don't have to think that you're taking a class with a, a with a little third grader or something um, you know I'm I am really surprised about the number of people in our area that do not know how to swim we get this sense that once you hit the age of seven you automatically know how to swim uh, most people don't have formal swimming lessons, and that can be a real challenge, especially as people get older. Mm -hmm. And we have, that again, that assumption. And so now we have 12 and 13-year-olds hanging out in water that may be above their swimming ability, and we've got challenges with that on top of um, any other extracurricular activities that are going on. You know, when you're thinking about going floating down the river. Right. Hear, and we've got somebody who, yeah, you got somebody who doesn't know how to swim. And if anybody's floated the river, the trying to get off the the little inner tubes, <laughs> it's quite an, a, a feat mm -hmm. when you're sober. And a lot of people are not sober by the end of their float. So, you know, it is a big concern. Good reminders. Now, you mentioned briefly earlier about lockboxes. And how does that work with the department? What's oh, that love, about? I love that you brought that up. So our lockboxes, we have more than 3,000 lockboxes in the system for the city, which is fantastic. What happens with that lockbox is the resident provides a key to us. We put it in the lockbox. We hang it usually in a place where nobody can see. Our last place of putting it would be on the doorknob. Um, but that Lockbox is now available to us. If you call 911 and are unable to answer the door, then public safety professionals are able to access that lockbox and enter the, the home without having to break down any doors or windows. And I always say, you know, our firefighters like to break things, but we'd prefer not to in an emergency like that. And it is a very successful partnership with the Scottsdale Area Association of Realtors. Okay. We've been doing this for um, even before the fire department became a, a city department. It was a great partnership with even Rural Metro and the police department. So it's been probably 17, 18 years when this um, was in place. It's really easy to get one. There's a form on the internet that you can turn in. You can also call an 800 number and uh, and and get a, a lockbox pretty easily they do ask for a $25 donation. Um, that is to SAR. The realtors then turn around and write us money so that we can purchase lockboxes for those folks who cannot afford them. Great. Now, is there a, any restrictions or anyone can sign up and anyone get can a sign lockbox? up? Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. And we keep the code. The individual does not know the code. We don't want it shared out with anybody else. Um, so you can feel comfortable that that information is not out for a whole bunch of other people sure. to know. It's only available. If you call 911, it shows up as a premise alert. And if you're unable to answer the door, which I bring up because I had somebody ask me, well, I called 911 and they didn't use the lockbox. And I'm like, well, were you able to answer the door? Yes. Well, we don't want to enter unless you're actually not sure. able to. Mm -hmm. But that code then is now used to um, get in and help you as quickly as we can. Okay, well, we covered a lot of great information today. We talked about community risk reduction, um, 
specifically falls in what the department has been doing and really promoting over the past month, uh, even though that's something you do year-round, of course, um, some good reminders about uh, swimming for adults and for children and to keep uh, drowning prevention in mind and also our lockbox program. So I think we covered uh, several things that are going on within the department and it's good to know that these resources are there. Like you said, we can just, uh, anyone can just visit scottsdaleaz.gov, land on the fire department page and there's plenty of information on all of these programs. There's a whole bunch of programs that we didn't even get to talk about today that, so if you have an injury prevention issue, contact us. We, we will be able to help you. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Lori. We appreciate your time. Love it. Thanks. That wraps up this episode of Pottsdale. And with that, here's our trivia question. What complimentary Scottsdale Fire Department program keeps older adult residents safer in their homes? Email your answer to communications at scottsdaleaz.gov. And I'll be back in two weeks for another episode. Until then, take care.